Welcome to tonight's Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Please welcome guest moderator, BBC Radio 6 music presenter, Matt Everett. Hey everyone, how are you doing? I am Matt Everett, as he says, and welcome to a very, very special Meet the Filmmaker event here at the Apple Store on Regent Street in London. Um, our guest tonight is one of the people responsible for Metallica Through the Never, a part concert, part surreal adventure movie that's unlike anything you've ever seen before, and certainly unlike any music film ever created before. Um, before we get him out here, I think it makes sense to have a look at a trailer for quite a remarkable film. My whole life I've been waiting for that moment when it all starts to make sense. We got a truck that's out of gas in the city, you gotta find it, and we got something that the band needs tonight, okay? So get him back and you know what to do. Another night, another show. I do what they tell me. I go where they send me. But sometimes the moment that changes everything is the one you never see coming. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty massive. It's pretty massive. So let's invite our guest on stage, uh, a man from a group who've kind of broken the rules for what it's possible for a rock bands to do, and they've done that again with this film. This isn't about metal. This isn't about thrash or rock. This is just about one of the greatest bands of all time, from Metallica, Lars Ulrich. The filmmaker. All right. How you doing? I'm doing great. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. Uh, we've, uh, this is our second interview today. This is, yeah. We're, we're like old friends now. <laughs> you already know all the answers. You just tell them. No, this is, this is <laughs> going to be new stuff. You, um, meet how, the wait, wait. Just hang, how cool? Are we actually in the store? Yeah, this is the store. How cool is this? Let, let's all go shopping. <laughs> let's go shopping. Forget about this. <laughs> cool. Um, meet the filmmaker, this is cool. You kind of saw that and you, and you laughed. Why? Well, it's, you know, I'm um, trying not to take it too seriously. Right. Meet the filmmaker. Next up is a real filmmaker. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's cool. I'm going to actually send that to our director, Nimrod. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> you know, like we talked about before, I mean, it's, um, 
you know, we're, we're sort of out of our comfort zone, but we also love being out of our comfort zone. So making movies is not sort of our day job, but increasingly we find that um, communicating all these different experiences to Metallica fans is really kind of turning us on. And so whether it's having our own festival or making movies or whatever, it's kind of fun because it when we go back into the studio and into our comfort zone, then we've had all these kind of surreal experiences and hopefully we can bring something different back and it'll sort of invigorate us a little bit. But seeing the word filmmaker next to my uh, silly Danish name, that's just kind of surreal. But there it is. I'll make sure I get a picture of that before I leave. <laughs> so we're going to hear from the fans in a minute, but I wanted to talk to you first. I mean, I kind of tried to describe the film. It's like half live concert, half surreal adventure. How would you describe it? It's out tomorrow and people will be able to see it for themselves. How, how would you describe the movie? Um, well, it's a hybrid, first of all. Uh, it's a word that we've heard ourselves say a lot in the last month. I would say the easiest way uh, is probably to say it's a dramatic film that takes place in the setting of a concert. So the, the concert is kind of the backbone of, of, of all the action and, and the events. And then there's a story uh, that features, can they see this? Uh, yeah, yeah, they can so see the yeah. That's uh, Dane Dehan, our lead actor, and he plays a character named Trip, and he's um, sort of like a runner. Uh, some people call him a roadie. Uh, I think in England he's more like a, what, a T-boy. Uh, and um, so he gets <laughs> sent on errands, and he gets sent, uh, he's a big Metallica fan, and he ends up having this kind of... Uh, Contrary, you know, he's at the gig, he wants to see the gig, but then he gets pulled away from the gig and gets sent on this errand. And then he goes out into the world, uh, and then there's a, a bunch of very unfortunate events that come his way while the concert's playing. So you sort of go back between the concert and his journeys through this, uh, as you can see, this kind of apocalyptic nightmare <laughs> setting. Yeah. He's not having a good night. So you were actually involved, in fact, the whole band were involved in that kind of story as well. As well as doing the concert, you were kind of involved in sort of writing it, weren't you? Um, well, I mean, credit where credit's due. I mean, Nimrod Antal, our uh, mad Hungarian director, it's, it's mainly his yeah. idea. Um, we all sort of shaped it into something that would, uh, you know, fit into the context of the concert and so on. But um, when we decided to partner up with Nimrod and... Um, and that he was sort of our, our, our you know, partner in crime, creative partner in crime for this. He went away and dreamt up the characters and the story and um, came back to us three months later with a um, very unreadable script. I don't know if any, <laughs> any of you guys know what scripts look like, but they're usually sort of like 100 pages and they have like dialogue in them. Here's a 15-page script that has no dialogue. It's just basically action sequences and, and sort of talking about what happens to this to this, in this story and to this character. And it was a, a, an odd script to read, not just for us, but as we started, you know, uh, trying to get Dane involved and everybody else. It, it was a, a, a peculiar script, which we loved. We loved the madness of it and the craziness of it. But um, it's just unlike anything um, that we'd ever seen. And, and so if there are any of you guys that are you know, film students or whatever, it, it's just... It's, it was kind of a different thing, but we knew that he was our guy because he um, he kind of was ready for anything and, and ready for uh, to take this kind of crazy leap with us. Yeah, because it's not, I think it's important to say, it's not just like a concert with a couple of scenes. It's like a full film. We've actually got another clip of the movie, actually, if you want to have a look, and you'll see what I mean. Here's a bit more.
Okay then. You see what I mean? That it's was uh, yeah. That was the Rob Trujillo mix. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, we saw a bit of it there. If you're talking about the kind of live side of, 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 of the whole thing, it's a hell of a stage set you've got going on. You, you caught a bit of it there with the overhead shot of your kit. But like the whole, the whole stage is a video screen on, on a scale. I think someone said this is the biggest indoor stage production that's ever been undertaken. That sounds like something a publicist would say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a pretty but, big show. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty big, yeah. I mean, over the, the course of the, I guess, the, the last 20 years, Metallica has started playing... Um, when we play indoors, we like to play in the round, as we call it. So um, that just we and we continue to try to come up with different um, ways of doing that. Um, the one thing that's different about this stage compared to the last few stages um, is that there, this is a bit more theatrical. Uh, some of you guys who've been with us for a while know that um, back in the '80s and the '90s, we did a lot of very theatrical stage presentations, uh, Master Puppets and the Justice and the you know what was her name, Doors and crosses and electric chairs and all kinds of silly stuff and um we brought some of that stuff back again in um bigger crazier a little more ridiculous than it was back in the day but <laughs> sort of 2012 13 versions of it there's a lot of um fans who always come up and ask about this stuff but i wasn't born yet or i've never seen any of that so we we um we brought it back for for one final encore so there's a lot of, of that stuff going on on the stage side of it. It is kind of a, it's a sort of greatest hit sets as well. There's, there's all, that all the big tunes, many of the big tunes you could possibly want are in the performance, aren't they? I'll, I'll refrain from using the word hits. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, there are some of the, our production manager, Dan Brown, uses the word, uh, uh, the uh, favorite uh, toe tappers. So uh, there are some of those in there. Um, so yes, there are. I mean, obviously, when you're doing a film at this scale, having um, songs in there that the audience knows helps, <laughs> rather than the uh, obscure rarities from uh, you know the end of Reload or something. So um, there are some of the more well-known songs in there. And <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've made this film yourselves as a band. Normally, like with a big movie, you know, someone a studio pays for this thing. You've done this yourselves. I mean, it, did you have to? Remortgage houses and sell T-shirts out the back of a van and kind of like you know, pour, pretty, pour a couple much. of drum kits to get the money together. There to are uh, T-shirts available out of the back <laughs> of uh, Matt and I have a truck out in the back. So uh, uh, it's a big undertaking. Well, we um, yeah, it's a pretty big undertaking. It never seemed that big when we started. <laughs> it's that's always the case. Um, we just like to you know, if there's one thing that we're definitely guilty of is wanting to control everything, and uh, we feel that's a way to get you know. So when you guys are at the receiving end of records or movies or whatever, that it's it's a way to get that you guys know that it's it's metallic. It comes from us, so it's not a not you know a studio or it's not other people that are doing it and just putting the Metallica name on. It comes from us, and we're certainly proud of that. Um, uh, we've never done anything quite of this scale, <laughs> and it's been uh, pretty overwhelming, um, sometimes uh, even bewildering. Um, what do you mean? Well, you know, it's just there's so many people involved in, in filmmaking. When you make records, it's the four of us in a fairly small, contained, intimate space. Uh, when you make films at this level, there's just so many different entities of people involved. And... Um, for people that like to, uh, like I said, control their environment, it's, uh, it's just a lot of things you got to deal with. But, you know, we um, increasingly sort of look at Metallica as, um, 
I guess, hovering in our own bubble, existing in our own world. And we, you know, have our own record company now and we have all our masters and our recordings. And um, we're just not on big on um, sort of, uh, I guess, if you bring partners in, then you sort of got to listen to them and you got to wait, he wants this and how about this and can we change it and the different edits. If we do it ourselves, then we know that um, nobody's going to sit there and talk us out of whatever it is that we're thinking, no matter how crazy it is, for better or worse, actually. <laughs> let's, see another look, uh, let's have another look at the film. We've got another clip as well and then we'll go to the Q&A and you guys can uh, put some questions to Lars. So here's another clip of Beyond uh, Through the Never. <laughs> I, one of the characters of the film he's um i'm not even sure he had a name in the uh, in the uh in the script he's just like the, the guy on the horse he, he he may have a name i can't remember it was in the, in the script <laughs> i wasn't there we weren't there i purposely didn't want to uh, be there for the filming of, of the narrative because i felt that um if i wasn't there i would have a much better perspective mm. to be able to sort of edit and, and do all that type of stuff so it's a little bit that was the only part of the movie I stayed away from was the three weeks of filming all the narrative and the exterior scenes. Yeah. I think we should really uh, open the floor. I think that's how they say Open the floor. Open the floor. Uh, we should do a bit of a Q&A from people. So we've got some mics going around. So put your hand up, somebody. <laughs> Who should we choose? Who should we choose? Who should we choose? There's somebody I'm just tired. down the very, very <laughs> front row. I have to say that of all the of everything I've done the last month, this is the closest the audience has been. I mean... We're practically up on stage. You, you it's can insane. smell them. It's, it's insane. That's, that's just yeah. How are you? Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask, how did you get someone like Dane involved? Because he's pretty up and coming and basically doesn't really get to speak in the film at all, apart from maybe singing along to Creeping Death at the beginning. Um, well, uh, a couple, three years ago, two, two, three years ago, I saw him uh, in Chronicle and... Um, and literally one of those, I, walked, I, I took my kids to see it, or my kids took me to see it, to be truthful here. And I walked out of the theater literally like I am being him as I walked out. Who was that kid with his incredible magnetic face? And um, turns out it was Dane. I recognized him from in treatment. And uh, since then he did a film, a film with a good friend of mine named Derek C. in France. He did The Place Beyond the Pines. 
And um, so when uh, we were casting this uh, about 15 months ago last summer, uh, his name was the first name that came up, and I just called our producers and I said, we have to get this guy. There's no other choices. There's no other options. We have to get this guy. And um, so we just went to work, and I called Derek C. in France, and our director called somebody, and I knew the uh, agent a little bit, and we, we did all that stuff where you start making phone calls. And um, we got the script to him, and after he read it, uh, I guess about 10 times and tried to make heads and tails of it like everybody else, he, um, he finally met um, uh, our director, and they hit it off really well, and he agreed to do it. So he was the only, um, the only guy that we even needed to go to, and he was so obvious for this part. So it wasn't like there was a, you know, a casting call or any of that type of stuff. And he's insane. I saw him in uh, Kill Your Darlings. Uh, which is coming out, and he's, uh, you know, been cast in the, has filmed the new Spider-Man, and um, my friend Anton is has cast him in his uh, James Dean movie. He's, uh, it's going to be a really big, well-known actor in a couple years, and we could say that he was in our movie you, when you he stopped returning right. my phone calls in about six months from now. You got that <laughs> so, first. Yeah, exactly. He has got this amazing intensity <laughs> yeah, to him, yeah, hasn't he? It's yeah. incredible. And like you're saying, he does the whole movie without um, speaking. So it's all body language and mannerisms and that whole thing, which is even harder. It's cool. Right. On top of it, oh. on top of it, it's a really, really level-headed guy. Really cool to hang out with. So, there you go. Let's have a question from that side of the, of the room. Someone's just put their hand up in the far corner just over there. Grab a mic. Who are you? Where are you from? What's your question? Hi, Lars. I'm Dave. Hey. Um, so the, the production and the set list um, showcase the whole of Metallica's history. I wondered if you wanted, or if you'd been tempted to try and showcase Metallica's future and tempt us, you know, with a new song. <laughs> um, if there were any written. Um, we've done uh, two or three go-arounds in the studio um, while they were in the initial editing stages, but um, there were no new songs for this. Like I said before, um, obviously there's a little bit more of a nod to the past than, um, than we often do. Um, but it didn't seem like... Uh, it didn't seem like there should be a new song in this. Uh, at, at one point, really early on, it, it was talked about, but we just didn't have it together to even to, to get to that stage. Um, so it, it, um, the new songs are coming, but they're not in this film. We're looking forward to them. And me too, trust me. <laughs> yeah, when you, say, when you say a few runarounds, I mean, you know, like, like have you done a few days in the studio, a few weeks in the studio, um, just to try and get a bit more information? We've done... <laughs> We've done probably three, three go-arounds of two to three weeks each. Okay. Um, basically, ninety-five percent of the new of the new songs they come from from jams and from riffs and from stuff that pre-exists. So it's um, there was over I think there was over a thousand things to listen to, which is not something that you do in an afternoon or two. Um, so uh, basically, since we finished Death Magnetic a couple of what five years ago, four years ago. Um, there's just a lot of stuff to listen to, so we've been combing through it uh, and jamming on it and starting to put some riffs together and stuff like that. But um, uh, don't hold your breath would probably be the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the proper analogy here. No, 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 nothing in the next couple of weeks then. We're pretty safe, no. Uh, no especially <laughs> since I have to hear myself talk about this fucking movie for another couple of weeks. No, uh, no. <laughs> Uh, let's have another question. Um, where should we go? We go with that gentleman right in the middle in front of the camera over there. How you doing, sir? Hi, Lars. Um, hey. uh, my name's John. Um, 
Quick John. Question about the uh, full Arsenal stage set that's used in this film. Uh, are there any plans to bring it to the UK anytime soon for an arena tour? And if um, so, when? Good question. Well, that sounds way too logical. Bring, <laughs> the, bring this thing on tour. Um, could you tour it? Um, All that? Yes. Uh, I don't know if we could do sort of back-to-backs. I don't know if we could do uh, Glasgow, London back-to-back. Um, but um, I don't know if it... I'm not sure of the, of, of the logistics. I... I there's some weight issues with roofs, and I don't know if it would sort of fit into the NEC, and I don't know if it would fit into sort of the standard 10 arenas in England. I'm sure it would fit into the O2. Um, and so at some point... The O2. Then excuse play me? the O2. Then you should play the O2. Yeah. And listen, you know, <laughs> this is how it, it has, starts. It has, it has been talked about, um, but right now we want to get to making a record. Um, and so I think that we'll most likely tour this at some point, but not necessarily next. This may be the type of thing that we come back to. So we do another album and another tour, and then maybe the tour in between that and the next, you know, maybe like three years from now or something. But it, it, it'll fit into some buildings. It won't fit into all buildings. Um, but it would be fun to tour, obviously. And I think, obviously, after people have seen it uh, in the theater, it could be fun to bring to everybody. Good stuff. Right, so another question. There's some people kind of standing who deserve the microphone. Uh, yes, you just there. Wonderful. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm Jack. Hey. What's up? Um, our manager, Sean Duffy's out of Chicago, um, is a good friend of Kirk's. Uh, and Kirk was explaining to him about, as, as you've already kind of touched on, the uh, financial issue of having to put up the money yourselves, essentially, which I guess is probably a first for a while for you. Um, from where I sit and from where we get it, we kind of get to come to some of your shows with Kirk um, you're very personally you're very fuck it let's do it you know let's give it a go Kirk is a little bit more likes to think things through and obviously you've got Cliff and Peter um, at the back helping out was there was there any ever serious discussions about whoa hold on this is a big thing suddenly to having to be putting the money in ourselves or was it no it's going to work it'll you know it's, it's a great risk to take um, or, well, that's you know, an excellent yeah. question um <laughs> a lot of meetings. I imagine there was a lot of meetings. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not personally, just speaking for myself, I'm always the guy flying the flag for the creative vision, trumps everything. Uh, there's always somebody somewhere that goes, hang on a second. Uh, I may be guilty sometimes of, of not paying full attention to the hang on a second. You know, I, I always think that the, our job. As the artist, I'm sorry if that sounds cheesy, but our job is to protect the purity of the creative, of the creative journey, and to not let it be polluted by too much thinking, uh, uh, you know, thoughts that may be about you know uh, appeal or business decisions. So I always fly the flag for trying to keep any of that type of stuff away from the creative endeavors. Um, obviously financial conversations come up along the way um, and um, you know the funny thing is of course as, as I'm sure you can relate to is that it never quite starts I mean it's not like let's do this movie and then everything that we know about it now it, it's always you know let's do it let's throw ourselves let's build the stage and then a year later oops that cost twice as much money as we expected and none of it fucking works and you know and then you know something else and then something else and something else and all of a sudden you're just standing there going god help us all but it's it's um it always starts from a very um 
pure place and a very innocent place. And I'm, I think always, I always love just the innocence and the kind of the, um, uh, the just go, go for it attitude. Um, I think some people call that irresponsible, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind being the irresponsible one. Um, rather that than too much thinking. Uh, somewhere it usually ends up balancing itself out. And if we sell enough of those T-shirts sitting in that truck out there <laughs> afterwards, then uh, maybe uh, we'll get our houses back and all the rest of it. You know? I can lend you 20 quid if you're a bit, you. you're a bit hard up. Um, let's have another question. Gentleman, hand up came straight away there. Can we get a mic over to the front? Here we go. What's your name, man? Hi. Uh, hey. I'm Dimitri from Sofia, Bulgaria. Uh, First of all, I want to say uh, thank you for everything that you have done and continue thank you. to do. Thank, thank you. you for the inspiration. Thank you for everything. Thank you. And uh, my question is, uh, a while back, I mean, last week I saw uh, an interview in which James said that there had been an idea of having a hologram of Cliff on stage. Why didn't this happen? And was there something else that he wanted to have in the movie but couldn't? Um, wow. Uh, I've learned <laughs> along the way to not um, comment too much on what Hetfield says and vice versa. It's like a, uh, uh, everybody says everybody says their truth at the moment, or at least close to it. Um, so uh, I think was it a couple years ago? Was there the, was it the Tupac thing? Yeah, that's right. Uh, was it, it Snoop was a hologram or somebody uh, of Tupac at Coachella? Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, it may have come up in conversation for like 12 seconds. Um, I don't, I mean, obviously, you know, Cliff Spirit is always around uh, anything that Metallica does. And obviously, with, um, has anybody seen the film? You've seen the film. So I won't give too much of it away, but th there's a song in the film that certainly um, brings Cliff uh, sort of full circle into this whole thing. So, um, I think Cliff Spirit is always part of Metallica. Uh, I don't think necessarily Cliff's you know, his presence is always needed it's physically or in an obvious way. It's just the spirit. Um, but the uh, hologram thing that you're referring to is not something that, um, that uh, went uh, very far. It, that, that conversation may have lasted just a couple seconds. You, you are? Oh, you're, I was just checking you on a hologram, just making sure. Uh, we're running out of time, so we should really get some more questions. Come on, he's got a tie on today. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> do with the dude. Did you? Dude's got a tie. You're looking, you're looking, looking good, man. Uh, let's, let's get a mic across to a sharp dress man. Hello, Lars. How are you? Nice to see you again. You How too. are you, man? It's been a while. Are you, are you working here. in... You no. live in London now. Yeah, I moved here. We, we know each other for these... Yeah. Uh, From the internet. Yeah. We met on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Big sword. sword. Yeah. Big Bring sword. I'll ask you a film question. Please. So, <laughs> yeah. so for 32 years... Music Since I'm a filmmaker, it yeah, says exactly. that. Like it that. says it there. <laughs> Apple doesn't lie. So, 32 years, musically, you've been, you've been you know, setting trends and paving the way for young bands, and you've been always shown that you know, change and creativity, there's always a thirst for this and for experimentation. Do you want to set this trend now? With movies, do you think that this film could possibly, you know, be a kind of a benchmark for other bands to say, let's not just do a concert film, let's not just do a documentary, let's not have us filmed in a prayer circle being massaged, 
Um, or, you know, out in, the, out in the fields with poppies in our He's hair or something paid, like that. Paid attention along the yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, well, I appreciate that question. I, um, when we started making this film, I mean, you know as well enough to know that we don't sit around and go, okay, it's time for us to make benchmarks for the rest of the bands out there. That's not how we roll. Um, if anybody gets inspired by this film to look at, at conventional concert films with a slightly uh, you know, different view, obviously that would be great. Uh, but that would also be accidental. I mean, you know as well enough to know that we're sort of fairly inward looking. I mean, we don't sit there and think of, of all the ways this may or may, may or may not affect other people. Um, we leave that up to everybody else to try to figure that out. Most of the time, as you know, we also don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we just make it up as we go along. Um, but uh, it's been a lot of fun for us to do this, and I think increasingly for Metallica, um, for us to stay, uh, stay uh, hungry and stay um, sort of invigorated and, and, and challenged by Metallica, we have to continue to sort of just find different ways to express ourselves creatively. If we were stuck in the kind of you know record tour, record tour, record tour grind, I think that um, we would just find that way too confining. Um, so making movies. Uh, doing our festivals, you know, answering the phone when Lou Reed calls, you know, these types of things, they're, they're a lot of fun for us, and I think they keep us alive. Um, and I know that there's a few people who go, you know, enough of all this other extracurricular shit, get back to making Metallica records, and we do hear you. We read every one of your comments, and we also know where you live, by the way. <laughs> um, and we know what you had for breakfast. But, um, you know, so in due time, you know, but it, for us it's about a balance. Um, I think that between some kind of monster and this movie, we've done two pretty different film uh, experiences, and I can't say that I'm sitting here right now going, "Fuck, you know, I gotta, I gotta make another movie." I'm, I'm happy to get some distance between uh, filmmaking and 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 myself for a while, um, but it may happen again. Um, you know, maybe um, there'll be a through the never part two. Who knows? Probably not, but who knows? <laughs> I've learned to, uh, to never say never around here, so uh, we'll see where it takes us, but it's not on the agenda right now. Now we want to get back to making another record and, and getting back to the intimacy of the studio. Thanks, man. Thank you. And the final question, the final question. That's 40 minutes already? Uh, apparently so. Really? Who's giving you the wind-up signal? <laughs> that guy, Steve? <laughs> okay, Wait, well, let me get my iPhone out. Who, who should it be? Who should, oh. we, who should we choose for the final question? <laughs> oh, right, there's that. Uh, go, go ahead. Hi, Lars. My name's hey. Ed. Oh, yeah. Um, just to get back to the music, um, was there a song when you watched this back that you felt gave, like, got a new lease of life, a new set of balls in the context of the film? Um, well, thank you for asking that. Um, I've always had a... a I've always had a weak spot for the memory remains. Um, uh, there are one or two nameless people within the ranks that think that the memory remains may not be the finest moment of Metallica's career, which we respect. Uh, well, I think not. the memory remains <laughs> plays really well in this film um, and the way it interacts with the audience. Uh, I think it's, um, it's gotten a great... Uh, we love playing that song and, and the interaction with the audience at the end and just the tempo and the weight of it. Um, 
So having that in the film is, is really cool. Uh, obviously, there may be a, a few astute observers uh, who uh, know that there are some songs that, are, that were played that are not in the film. Um, it was not so much about these are better songs. It was like what songs would work better within the context of the film. So everything about this film is just really about making the best film possible. So uh, it's probably not a secret that say Sad But True is not the film. Uh, but it just wasn't working within the context of the story and, and the dynamics of, of the set list and so on. And so, but the memory remains. I think uh, Cyanide also works really well in this film. Um, Justice works really well in this film. Um, Say again. Speak up, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So you know, if there's um, uh, you know, post production on this film was insane. We spent the last year editing it because we so much of it. It's like, how do you weave the story in and out of this concert? And what songs work and what songs don't work? And you know, should some of the songs be edited and you know, then we started moving songs around in sequence, and I can be a little protective of the set list since I'm the one that writes the set list. And all of a sudden, you know, there was like, can we move this song over here? No, you fucking can't touch my set list. <laughs> and then I started opening up to that in the, for the better of the picture, for the better of the film and all that. So it, it was a long process, but um, I think um, I may have answered your question now. <laughs> I, I think so. That was good. I just don't want this to end. Let's close the store, let everybody go, and let's just keep going this all night. One more. One more. One I, more. I, I, I can't deny Lars, can I? Come on. Uh, you, you choose someone for the very final I question. choose somebody. You choose somebody. Um, someone put a hand up would, would be a good thing. Okay. Him? Him. Okay. This dude. What? Say again. Oh, thank you. Ew, just pass it. Oh, Thank there you. we go. Let me just pass it down that way. It's a silly question. Hey, wait, wait. There we'll we end on a silly question. Who are you, sir? Hey, how are you? Hey. Uh, just wanted to know, what was it like playing right underneath those massive Tesla coils? Um, yes, okay. testicles? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't Tesla hear. coils. Tesla coils. Part of my French. Testicles. Okay, okay. Um. It's like, man, uh, yeah. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> it was very hairy. Uh, no, um, it was um, pretty nutty, it, you know, because. Uh, whoa! <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, how do I top that one? I got, uh, that's, 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 um, that's a pretty high point to go out on. <laughs> it, it, you know. Because this film, this is not a, 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 this is not filmed on tour. So most concert films, when you see, they're they're filmed on tour. So you're 150 shows into something that functions. We did, you know, a few warm-up shows in Mexico City, and then we started filming. So all the shtick and all the the the, the, the theater and, and all that stuff, a lot of it wasn't really dialed in like it would be if you were like a year into a tour. So a lot of that stuff was a little um. Some of it was working, some of it wasn't working, some of it sort of occasionally worked in true Spinal Tap fashion, of course. Uh, so those Tesla coils, um, when you have a guy who stands there and tells you every night, you know, do not get off of your position, Hetfield and Hammond, you know, don't cross this line, you could get zapped, you will die instantly, you know, all this type <laughs> of stuff. It just puts things in a different perspective as you're sitting there. And as I'm sitting there playing, uh, I was looking up there and... 
I can be pretty fast on my feet. Um, and I always, you know, I, I, I felt that if, if there was something that was going to go astray, that I would just quickly, I, I, I was convinced that I could beat the lightning or, the, <laughs> you know, beat the zap away from the, from the drum the drums and, and jump off before it. so I, I sat and played close attention but it was pretty um pretty crazy stuff and you know with all the pyro and the statue there was a couple nights where the statue fell and you know uh, uh, leveled the drum kit and all this type of stuff in true spinal tap fashion so it was um it was pretty edgy the film because it was not really rehearsed that much because it was a film and not a tour you know Good final question. We we could keep going, but unfortunately, I've kind of got to wrap it up now. Um, the film Through the Never is out tomorrow. Check it out. It's quite a staggering piece of work. As is my guest, ladies and gentlemen, give it up, Lars Ulrich. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us for tonight's special event. Please visit iTunes to download the podcast.